Welcome back to Big Lezzers League. Now, I thought I'd do this one as a bit of a special podcast. Uh, Brad Fittler's gone, gone on to SEN and he's sort of dissecting this lineup that he's released for the Blues going into game three. Uh, I thought that I would just sort of react to it. This is my first time listening to it. Um, I'm going to play the thing in its entirety pretty much and, you know, just pause it and sort of give my thoughts on certain takes that he's had, certain takes that Joel Kane and Scope have had as well, um, and sort of just react to, you know, this little chat that they've had here. As I said, I haven't listened to it yet, so I'm playing it for the first time, listening to it for the first time. This is Brad Fittler dissecting his New South Wales changes for Game 3. Joins the run home with Joel and Fletch. G'day, Freddie. Sugar. How Justin, are we, how are you, mate? Hey, Freddie. How you going, mate? Having good, mate. I haven't uh, spoke to you for a long time. You're well? Mate, good. I, I, so I was coming through the 20s, obviously, Fred, uh, in your last season. I remember – I haven't told well, you this. Year, this. No, no. Freddie was still playing 2004 right. when I was playing SG Ball yeah. in 20s there. Yep. And I actually did some work on your house in eastern suburbs uh, trying to get some extra coin outside life, <laughs> life outside of footy, mate. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, me, yeah, Sean Foley, Troy Savage, a couple of younger boys that sort of were coming through the grades at the time. So – uh, I don't think I've seen you since then, mate, so it's good to, good to chat to you. I reckon I used to get a lot of young fellas working, and you could tell how good a footballer they were by how hard they worked. I remember there was a couple of blokes here. They would just dead set bludge. Every time you turn your back, they'd just get their phones. They'd be on their phones, and, oh, mate, it was hilarious. Oh, I guess that sort of sums me up, mate. Very inconsistent, just like my work. Well, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I, I heard you in another uh, media uh, somewhere talking about the fact you had tradies there this week. Maybe they were patching up your bad work. Yeah, that'll be it, mate. Yeah, there's still some work to be done Done on what we'll uh, Getting after, that's for sure. Well, there's work to be done still, State of Origin. Uh, we were that close when you look at things in retrospect. That game one, we're so close to being in a decider. Hasn't played out that way. Some big changes, Freddie. How's the week been leading up to game three? No, it's been exciting. Uh, obviously, you know, from game one, there's been a lot of change, uh, you know, a lot through injury. Uh, I think there was an opportunity there um, to sort of maybe blood a few um, younger players and then also I thought you know reward a few players as well so I think you know coming into this team you know obviously not as scarred as the last group I think purely because just you know uh, a lot of fresh faces through all different reasons but uh, they trained really well today mate um, you know there's some real mature heads amongst them obviously our halfback 5-8 and fullback are you know all in their 30s so you know, we need to lean on that at different parts, but we also need them to be, you know, um, give us that sort of, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? You know, be the level head, but also be the ones that are bringing the energy as well. Now, look, yes, a lot of guys that are, I guess, over 30 in that side, especially the spine, I think that's a good thing to have a bit of maturity in the spine as well. Um, but, yeah, look, there was a lot of arguments swaying towards Teddy being out of this side. I'm very happy that he is in this side. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I guess he, he's making a very good point there that there is a lot of maturity around the team. Jake Shavojevic being one of those guys, you know, not in his 30s yet, but, you know, still possesses a lot of maturity. James Tedesco, Mitch Moses, I mean, they've got – it's a – 
I wouldn't say it's an older squad, but it's definitely an older squad to when you look at the last one that was named in game two, maybe even in game one as well. Um, it's a much older team. I mean, Cody Walker as well. Cody Walker's in his mid-30s. He's 34, I think, this year as well. So there is a lot of maturity in this team. There is definitely a lot of maturity. Some of the players I obviously get more excited about, and I know they're not part of your 17. You've got Scott Drinkwater, Spencer Lenu. Uh, as you're 18th to the 19th, mate. How uh, how long has uh, Drinky been on your, on your radar for? Uh, he's I know he's wearing the 18th jersey. How's he been in camp? And and just talking about his his eight last 18 months in particular. Even though he sort of come through the Melbourne system, his last 18 18 months has been outstanding. Yeah, you know what? I've never really met him for longer than just doing an interview, and you know that's the real beauty of. Uh, you know, we used to do a lot of pathways camps and emerging camps and you'd meet all these blokes and you'd sort of work out what they're about and then you'd go and watch them play. But I, I don't really know Scott Drinkwater. So, you know, he's been great to have a chat with. His dad actually played for Penrith. So he was born out of Penrith and, uh, you know, he went up to the Central Coast when he was very young, two or three, and spent most and spent all his life there really before obviously jetting off and going playing for the different clubs. So... I uh, really enjoyed, you know, talking to him. He's got a couple of brothers who are really involved in footy. Uh, Josh is still overseas playing um, playing in the English competition. So, you know, and he loves his footy. You know, he's one of those real footy heads. So it's funny these days. You get blokes who, you know, barely watch another game of footy. Mm-hmm. But then you've got someone who, like him, who loves it. And, you know, I was just watching him today. He was in the background. He sort of come in with a bit of a quad, um, a quad strain. So we're sort of careful what we're doing with him. But... You know, in all his spare time, he was over with Joey and they will just sort of, you know, using the goalpost as a defender and they will you know, just chatting and passing. And, you know, I just thought, well, you know, what, he's going to walk away and go, well, you know, he's going to learn something out of that. And, you know, that alone would have made, you know, his time worthwhile being here. So, and Spencer, on the other hand, he's, you know, you sort of send him into the team as a, you know, as a, as a Queenslander and they just bash him and he seems to love it. He seems to smile and... <laughs> Get up and, you know, he's a bit of blood trickling out of the nose and he seems to make him want to go harder. So, look, I mean, firstly, great to have Scott Drinkwater in the camp, even if he's not going to be playing on Wednesday night. I mean, I think it's great to have him in the camp. He definitely is the future, but, fuck, it's controversial that you pick him over Dylan Edwards, who's been absolutely outstanding. You know, there is an argument to say don't pick Dylan Edwards unless he's playing fullback. But I think even just to blood him in the squad, if he is the plan going into next year, why wouldn't you bring him into the squad and blood him into the squad as well going into next year? You know, we could have a very different team next year. We could have a new coach, but it would have been still good and beneficial for, you know, Dylan Edwards to be in and around the camp. Um, So very controversial that Dylan Edwards wasn't picked. Scott Drinkwater was. But look, I mean, Scott Drinkwater, you can't really argue with him. He's been outstanding over the past, as they said, 18 months. He's been really, really good for the Cowboys since joining them as well. Um, And yeah, look, I think it's a pretty good selection. And if that's the path they want to go down um, going into the future, then that's the path they want to go down. I think he's a great player. And look, Carrying a little bit of a quad injury, I think that's a bit concerning to hear. You know, we've heard how many injuries we've had in the outside backs in New South Wales camp. I don't know if it's a training thing um, or, you know, if it's just, you know, luck with outside backs over the past few weeks. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, it's very concerning for me. I think it is very concerning that he has a bit of a quad injury. Hopefully he gets over that um, if because, you know, he could be injected into this game as an 18th man. Uh, and you'd hate for him to go down with a quad injury as well in this one. So, um, look, I mean, very, very 
exciting for the future for Scotty Drinkwater. Great to have him in there. Um, but, and yeah, Spencer Lenu as well. I mean, a young forward, blooding him into the Blues squad as well. Going into next year will be there. I'd have him in there now over Gutho, and I'm sure they'll bring up Gutho in a second. We'll sort of dissect, dissect that, sorry, a little bit further. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, it's great to have both of these guys in terms of the future uh, in this team. Very, very exciting stuff. Freddie, I think the in, in the most of the public, and, and the media for that matter, I, I don't think they fully appreciate and understand you know, the minds that go to work here, the data that's available. And to, to give you an example, Bradman Best was one of the ones that was most uh, creating controversy. And, and take names like Will Penasini was thrown out. Now, Will mm. Penasini, Scope, he, he's going to be a very good player. And, and he is a very good player. But most people watch it with a lens of attack. Last year, and this is not to belittle or, you know, to, to put down Will Penasini, but he was you know, amongst the most try causes in the competition. So people are throwing at Freddie and Co. Oh, yeah, Will Penasini. Bradman Best was a selection. And, and myself, I go, Bradman Best? I didn't see that coming. So immediately you start to think, okay, well, let's look into this a little bit further. So I looked into this. The left side for Newcastle, only Penrith had conceded fewer tries on the left side all year. Oh, well. Wow. So then I went into it further. I looked at all the videotape of the tries, but I could not find a try led in by Bradman Best. We all know he's attacking prowess. And clearly, Isaac Tungor, or I imagine Freddie, you know, not much between him and Bradman Best based on his numbers. But for me, they were the, the two clear ones. Matty Burton, of course, as well. But, you know, I, I do think, Freddie, that people do underestimate how much data, how much information, how much input science goes behind these selections. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. We have. Well, we use the the sports signers from Penrith. So they've won, been in the last three grand finals and the people they bring into their club all do very well, um, you know, from a point of view of they obviously do their homework. Um, so, you know, I think it's been comical, you know, this year and last year, like yeah. the selection has been comical. And, um, you know, for diff, you know, we pick different players for different reasons and sometimes you're hoping and you're giving someone an opportunity and it doesn't always work out. Then other times you you know it feels good when you say their name and yep. and Bradman Best Bradman Best to me was one of them. I've coached him as a kid and watched him come through. I uh, saw him at different stages throughout his career. He was um, you know he was nearly selected a few times in the past. You know whatever happens in his game and whatever he does, he has some things that a lot of those other players don't have. Uh, he has the ability to you know he's fast. He's very powerful. So, you know, hopefully what you do is we get to see that and uh, maybe, you know, he covers the deficiencies. And like you said, you know, they're not as glaring as people want to make out or, you know, they find it a very strange selection. I never thought it strange when we brought up his name. So, yeah, it's just made, you know, that's been the thing, you know, that's been the thing with the Sydney media this this year and, and last year, I suppose. But it is what it is, mate. I feel I feel for the players. I feel like, you know, for someone making their playing their first game for New South Wales and since nineteen eighty there's been three hundred and nine mm. players that have made you know, played for New South Wales. You know, and you get sort of crummy journalism, you know, just want to sort of, you know, break down and sort of maybe destroy the image that they thought what it would be like or how they would be celebrated when they made their debut. So I think that's a bit, you know, I get a bit sad on that, but the rest of it, mate, I you know, I'm ignorant to what their, you know, their opinions. 
Now, look, for me, I think it's a bit of a tough one because, yes, Bradman Best is a fantastic player. Stats back him. But, look, as I said, you've got guys like Will Penasini, Isaac Tungo, Matt Burton. You know, people thought that Matt Burton was going to be a shoe-in, and I personally would still have Matt Burton in there at centre over Best just due to origin experience. I mean, isn't that what you want? You're talking about having the experience, having the maturity in this team with guys like Cody Walker, Mitch Moses, uh, and James Tedesco. Why wouldn't you want origin experience like Matt Burton in this game four, game three, a game to avoid a sweep as well and, you know, a record win, you know, a record series win for the Maroons? Why wouldn't you want to bring in a guy like Matt Burton who has been in the arena before, been in winning games before, you know, possesses a lot of, you know, characteristics in his game? It makes the Guffo selection make a bit more sense, you know, bring him... Um, into centre, Guffo, and then you obviously move um, Matt Burton into the middle as a second 5'8". But selection makes a little bit more sense. If you put Matt Burton there, I've said it many times. Um, But yeah, look, I mean, I still probably would have had Matt Burton in there over Bradman Best. Now, look, I'm very happy with Bradman Best. He's got a lot of stats that back him. Listening to those stats then, it really, really surprises me and actually, you know, it makes me feel a little bit bit more comfortable, I guess, in the Bradman Best selection. And I think he's going to do very, very well. But if I'm picking this team today, I probably still would have Matt Burton in there over Bradman Best. I don't really think it's the time to be debuting new guys unless you're bringing in forwards. And we'll get to that, obviously, when they talk a bit more about the Gutho and Spencer Lenu in the reserves chat. Um, you know, but I really do think in terms of the centers, I still would have had Matt Burton in there. As I said, Bradman Best, probably going to do a great job, but I would personally have had both Isaac Targo and Matt Burton over him in terms of centers that I would pick. I'd even have Campbell Graham over him and he's injured. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, there's a few centers I would have had over. Um, obviously, Bradman best, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the selection as well. As I said, Scopey, I just want to challenge the listener, and I haven't been through every game for Bradman best this year, but I reckon I've been through two-thirds, and I looked firstly at the big gun teams – I couldn't find one single try attributed yeah, interesting. Very interesting. to Bradman Best. And we know he's got the attack. And the other things are, Katoni Staggs, yes, a contender. But Stephen Crichton's preferred side is right-hand side. Katoni's right-hand side. Matty Burton, yes, has played centre, but he hasn't for a long time playing in the halves. Yep. So for me, on that sort of, you know, being logical, it was Tungor or, or Bradman Best with a split hair between them. So let's just get behind Bradman Best. Yeah, I guess the hardest yeah, thing, I obviously. Think Tungle, Sorry, Freddie, go ahead, I mate. I think Tungor... You know, watching him obviously in the last game uh, against Melbourne, you know, he could be one of those players. And I know everyone, you know, it's quite common that uh, the knowledge that he came through as a back rower, like he, you know, he can become so valuable to a representative team. You know, obviously playing in grand finals, winning grand finals in the centres, and then going on being a back rower. You look what Kirk Cable did with his career, you know, since playing at mm. Penrith and then going to play for Queensland. You know, you can really sort of, you know, uh, you become so much more valuable if you can do, you know, both of those positions uh, in, with quality. Yeah, for sure. I think the versatility they got out of Penrith has really served all those players well, Freddie. I just quickly want to touch on that as well. Like, yeah, that's just a lot of reasons to pick Isaac Targo over Bradman Best as well. Um, the versatility that he has, 
all of the aspects of his game. You know, that's a lot of reasons to pick Isaac Tongo um, over Bradman Best. But as I said, happy with the Bradman Best selection. I also want to touch on, I didn't touch on it before, but the Penrith, um, you know, analyzers, the Penrith analyzers. And we've had very dominant Penrith teams over the past few Origin series. Now we know why. They've got Penrith analyzers in there with all the stats, analyzing the stats. Obviously, the team's going to be very Penrith dominant because they're the Penrith Panthers analyzers. That makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. It's insane. Um, look, I'm not saying that it's going to be biased towards... I mean, I am technically saying it's going to be a little bit biased towards Penrith, but it has, though. It really has. We've seen very dominant Penrith sides over the past few series, and that is probably why, because the Penrith analyzers are in there. The Penrith analyzers are showing Freddie the stats to pick the teams. That's insane stuff for me. Absolutely insane. But let's continue on with this little chat here. It's going to be a long podcast, guys, so strap yourselves in. Versatility, mate. Number 17 coming off the bench. Ex-teammate of mine. Uh, I've seen you speak glowingly about him this week, Clint Gutherson. I remember when he first came into training in 2013, he was skin and bones. And I remember just thinking, this guy just must have a go, mate. Uh, Without giving too much away, with Guffo in the 17 jersey, uh, you obviously got plans for him coming off the bench and, and, and covering multiple positions. But how's he been back in camp, mate? I know he's re- represented for you again uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. How's he been? Well, to be fair, I haven't got a plan. Um, like, you know, when you're picking sort of those best position, we had two hookers and you go, well, you know what, we've actually given our luck uh, in the first two games from a point of view of some of our injuries. Um, they've been in the outside backs. And nearly most games have had an injury in the outside back, so it's quite common these days. So, you know, Gutho covers everywhere from 5'8 to fullback. Um, but you know, there's no plan. But it, what I do love, I just love what he's about. Uh, you know, he's just full of energy. I mean, whether you're having breakfast, whether you're, you know, doing fitness drills or playing in a game or whatever it is, he's always contributing. He's good fun to have around and watch what he does for, for Parramatta every week. Yeah, look, Freddie, we get it. We get it. We get that he's a great, you know, player. He's been outstanding for Parramatta. I probably would have had him at fullback if I had him anywhere. I mean, look, obviously, we, as I said, I'm not getting rid of Tedesco. He's the captain. But if I'm picking Gutho anywhere in this side, it's going to be in the starting lineup. It's not coming off the bench. I mean, I would have him coming off the bench if there was a clear plan. If there was a clear plan, if Burton was picked at centre, I probably would have definitely had Gutho in and amongst the bench. But when you have Gutho and you have Reese Robson coming off the bench, I mean, one, you know, having a guy like Spencer Lane, you sitting in the reserves when he could be there, adding size to this forward pack coming off the bench. There's no real plan for Isaiah Yo coming off the bench. Where the fuck's he going to come into this game? It's either going to be an edge back row or lock. And I, I think, you know, it sort of, I guess, limits where Gutho can come onto the field as well because... I don't think I'm putting Isaiah Yo into the front row. I'll tell you that for free. Definitely not putting him into the front row. He's either going to be an edge back rower or a lock forward for me. Um, it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. I, I don't think I probably would have had Gutho there or Reese Robson unless he was starting. I'd either have one or the other. I definitely wouldn't have both. I'd actually even put Spencerini on the bench and have Gutho in the reserves. Yes, he's great to have around the camp. But look, when it gets to game day and you've got one front rower on the bench, you've got one back row lock forward on the bench, which is the only real position he can come on unless you put him on at centre and you do a Damien Cook and we get fucked over. 
Um, and then you've got Guffo. There's no plan. That fucking concerns me. There's no plan. There's no plan. Yes, we've had centers get injured in the past. And look, we'll be glad, I guess, going into next week if, you know, Stephen Crichton or Bradman Best get injured and Gutho has to come on at center. They will be happy for that. Um, but you're limiting a guy like Spencer Lenu a spot on the bench. And I think he deserves a spot on the bench. And I think they need him on the bench because they need another front rower. They need another forward on the bench. They've only got one front rower. You've got one front rower. That means you're probably expecting, you know, Jake Javoyevich to play the full 80 minutes, which he's not really going to be playing the full 80 if he's just come back from injury and he's only had his one game back for Manly. Um, Regan Campbell-Gillard as well. You're probably expecting him to have big minutes in this game. Um, you know, otherwise you're wasting four interchanges on two players back and forth. Um, I mean, it doesn't really make sense for me. It really doesn't make sense. I would have Spencer Lanyu on the bench. You need another forward there. And I'd be picking and choosing whether it's Reese Robson. You have the hooking rotation, which I don't think you need if you have Damien Cook at nine. Cookie is an 80-minute hooker. You don't really need another hooker on the bench to replace him. You either pick Damien Cook or Reese Robson. You have them at starting hooker and you take the other one out. Unfortunately, if that's Damien Cook, it's Damien Cook. If it's Reese Robson, it's Reese Robson. Um... And yeah, and yeah, as I said, you either have the hooking rotation or you don't. I don't think you need it. If Gutho's going to be on the bench, I think he's going to have to be the only utility on the bench. You don't have two utilities. It's origin. You need forwards, especially going up against a really strong Queensland front row pack, you know, who have got a number of mongrel forwards, adding another mongrel to the bench in, you know, Corey Horsburgh. I really don't think that it's wise to have two utilities, one front rower and a guy that you can only put on really in the edge back row or at lock forward. And by the way, hasn't played anywhere else other than that roaming ball playing lock forward role, Isaiah Yo. So I don't think I'm really putting him in the front row. He's not a guy that I look at and go, fuck, he's a mongrel front rower. He's really not. Yes, he's a big boy. But the only real thing he's got about him, he runs the ball hard sometimes, but his real main factor is ball playing. So um, I definitely wouldn't be chucking him in the front row as a mongrel forward and doesn't really provide too much impact off the bench. He's more of a big minute starting lock forward. And and that's another reason why I'd probably have him starting at lock. I'd probably move Keon Kalamatungi to the bench um, and then I'd have... You know, Cam Murray moved to the back row. Isaiah at 13 and Keon Kalamatangi on the bench. And that way you add a little bit more size onto the bench. And, and Keon Kalamatangi's played in the middle this year as well. So it would make more sense to move Keon Kalamatangi onto the bench and he can come on in the front row, in the back row or at lock and he'd have more impact for me than an Isaiah Yo coming off the bench would. I'm not, you know, taking a dig at Isaiah Yo whatsoever. But I'm saying that I think, you know, when you're looking at who would have more impact coming off the bench, for me, it'd probably have be, it'd probably be Keon Kalamatangi. Main message out of this, though, in the Clint Gutherson chat, I think is you have one utility and that's it. You don't have two utilities coming off the bench. And I think that's going to be the make or break of us if they do keep the two utilities coming off the bench for the Blues. I love rewarding players like that. Yeah, I've had a bit too much energy around the uh, the breakfast buffet, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Freddie, um, Keon Kalamatangi, this kid, I've just got a gut feel about this kid. Mm. He's just going to eat this up for breakfast. He's going to love this environment, is it? What have you seen from him throughout the camp? And have you got the same vibe? Yeah, well, I've enjoyed watching him play this year because they've challenged him. Um, he played a lot in the middle, which sort of makes you work pretty hard. I uh, watched him in some games where they've done really well. South Sydney have been one of those teams where 
you know, you can watch them last week when their defence is on, they look unbeatable. And then the week before when they're playing the Cowboys, they look very vulnerable. So, you know, I've seen him at his best and his worst, and um, they're pretty close. They're not that far away. He's uh, he's taken on some of the big, bigger front rollers, and he's very confrontational. And then he also has the ability to be really, um, you know, guile, and, you know, he can run beautiful lines. He's got a nice offload and some different parts of his game. So... Once again, mate, this is sort of one of those things where it's up to him. You know, he can become the back row for the next, you know, five or six years or, um, you know, it might work out to be too hard and we'll see what happens. But I feel like when I watch him and I've watched him over the last couple of years, I feel like he's ready to go. Freddie, as you mentioned, very, very few players have worn the sky blue and therefore good players are going to miss out. Who's been the unluckiest would you say, in this campaign? Dylan Edwards, who can't do any more, but, you know, you've got the captain in front of him. You've got uh, somebody like a Nico Hines, who a Dallian medal winner, which doesn't tell the whole story, but, you know, is it Nico Hines? Is it maybe uh, who other, other player could be so unlucky? Is, is it a Katoni Stag? Who's the most unlucky player in this campaign, would you say, Freddie? Well, I think, yeah, you named the main ones. Um, yeah, and the fact we've also had some, some injuries... You know, I think obviously Nico, you know, you know, Nico will earn it. Don't worry about that. Mm. And, you know, the way he walked from the first game and, you know, he took a lot of responsibility for what happened, which wasn't his fault. You know, we, you know, our team relaxed. Mm. You know, with five minutes to go, they're down to 12 plays. We relaxed. And then up being the result that they scored a try at the death. So that was a bit disappointing. But, um, you know, obviously Nico and just, you know, I think it was between him and Mitchell Moses and, you know, last time Nathan went down, I picked Mitchell Moses and I've been happy every time he's played. So I sort of went went back on something I was familiar with. Uh, Nico's obviously not far around the corner, what he's doing for Cronulla. And then, like you said, um, uh, who was the other one? Dylan Edwards. Edwards. Mm. So wholehearted. And that's, you know, that's one of the the real things that, you know, I think, you know, we've sort of taken our eye off the ball a little bit from the point of view of, um, you know, just to those big, big moments of the games. You know, we haven't really saved many tries this series. Um, that's a bit disappointing. So, you know, he's someone who puts his body on the line, you know, every minute of the game. That is that is his trademark. So, you know, them two alone are... Well, it just says you've got good depth too. So, um, you know, if something happens to the fullback or something, you know, happens in the halves again, you've got some players who are, you know, the key part of it is they're wholehearted. They love the game and they they just, you know, put everything into every performance. Look, I really think we have talked about Keon enough. I, I, you know, he's great. He can play in the middle. He can play on an edge. You know, he's a really good selection. Probably would have had him on the bench, but I think we talked about him enough and, you know, where I'd probably have him in this game. But yeah, some of the guys that were unlucky to miss out. Now, they mentioned them, Dylan Edwards. I think he was so unlucky to miss out. As I said, probably would have blooded him you know, into this side over Scott Drinkwater slightly. Scott Drinkwater's been fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I feel like Dylan Edwards over the past two or three years has been one of the better fullbacks in the competition. And I think it's really unlucky that he wasn't coming into this squad. I don't know why he wasn't picked in this squad, to be honest. I probably would have had him there for sure. He's one of those guys that I'd probably definitely have there. Um, But yeah, look, I mean, 
so unlucky not to make it, Dylan Edwards and Nico Hines as well. I mean, again, another guy you'd probably have on the bench over Gutho um, as a utility. You know, he can cover all the positions that Gutho can. He's done most of those positions for Melbourne in his stint there before going to Cronulla. You know, Gutho's another one I think was really unlucky. Campbell Graham due to injury, very unlucky. He was there in game one and obviously was ruled out due to injury. Um, you know, he's another guy that, you know, has to be a must-in going into next year because he has been in form for the past two years as well. He's definitely deserving of a spot. Um, you know, some of the other guys that were unlucky as well, Tony Staggs, they mentioned, um, you know, I, I think not too unlucky. He's definitely a top contender for me and maybe even someone else that I'd probably have over Bradman best bar the defensive, you know, issues that we've had in the past. Um, and, you know, obviously the other week for the Broncos, you know, just so the past few weeks in terms of defensive consistency, you know, hasn't been too great. He's been unreal in attack, but there's been some defensive issues for the past few years that I think have denied him some origin spots. And, uh, you know, in the last game as well, he wasn't too sound in terms of his defense. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, there's plenty of guys that were so unlucky not to make this team so unlucky. Um but yeah, look, I mean, going into next year, they're going to be must-ins for me for sure. I don't think Freddie's going to be the coach next year. I really don't. Um, but yeah, look, I think I'll end it there, guys. I think we've sort of covered everything we need to talk about. We've gone for about 30 minutes. I don't want to keep you here for too long. But I just wanted to sort of listen to that a little bit and get Freddie's take on some of the selections that he's made going into this game. Thought it'd be a nice little bit of content for you guys as well um, going into your Monday. So um, hope you enjoyed that one, guys. And yeah, that was Freddie, you know, sort of dissecting some of the decisions that he's made in terms of his squad going into this game and my thoughts on those selections as well. Well, 